Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to another edition of our Smart Garden Show here on uh, CCO Radio. I'm going to be joined today by not only Mary Meyer from the U of M, but our friend uh, John Traffy, who's our turf expert. Well, not ours, but uh, we like to claim him as ours <laughs> from the University of Minnesota. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, John. Good morning, Denny. We're finally in garden season here. Boy, it's I great. guess. Yeah, and, and and lawn season too. Boy, do I need help! I think John should come over to my house specifically. Yeah, exactly. It was quite a quite a summer, quite a year last year. Uh, if you have, uh, but we're going to be busy today. Not that we aren't always, but if you have specific lawn questions, uh, John will be answering those questions, and of course, any other kind of uh, lawn or garden question to Mary Meyer. We'll be helping you out. And, and we, we started getting text messages, I think, about four hours ago or so on our uh, text <laughs> message. And I know a lot of people, including me, have the same question. I'll just read what the listener says. Good morning. I was wondering if today would be a good day to start planting tomatoes and peppers if I live up in the Big Lake area. Thank you very much. I really enjoy the show. Thank you for that. And, uh, yeah, I was thinking about the same thing, at least this weekend. Uh, the nighttime lows just this weekend now, meaning tonight and tomorrow night, will be in the 50s. And all the rest of the way this week, they'll be in the 60s overnight lows. What do you think? I think it's okay now once we got through last night. So, yeah, in the 50s is is okay. 
Uh, 40s is really chilly. So tomatoes, like they're a warm season crop, they like the warm weather and especially warm nights. Uh, peppers like it even less when it gets cold. But I, th- I think we're over the worst now and hopefully we'll be in, uh, in the 50s or even in the 60s at nighttime temperatures. So I think that it's okay. Now, Big Lake is that's further north. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there are people who wait until after Memorial Day to put in their, what I think of as the tropicals or the warm season vegetables and plants. And um, there's really nothing wrong with waiting till after Memorial Day because the chilling effects are really noticeable on tropical crops. Uh, you can actually set back your plants if they're chilled. And chilling isn't freezing. Chilling is in the, the 40s and 50s. So... If you have any doubt that it's cooler and you're, or you're up north, I'd wait one more week. But I think for central Minnesota and, and southern Minnesota, probably okay now. Uh, John, I was uh, thinking about you know, lawns, and I know last year anyway, like a lot of folks, uh, I was trying to conserve on water, and I think the trade-off was a lot of my grass died. And what do you do about that? There's some really good sections yet, but it, it, it's, and I never thought I would think about um, power raking. And I don't even know if that's a good idea, but it's certainly raking some of the dead stuff up, opening up some of that soil and reseeding. What do you think? What, what advice can you give uh, folks like me? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I saw some of that in my own lawn. And what I did is I, uh, you know, where I just had some winter kill or uh, some some things that areas that died from last year and and really what you do is uh, you can go out and, and lightly rake the area that if it is still dead because if if it hasn't greened up by now it's probably not going to um, so I would go out and, and lightly rake that area and try to expose the soil surface you can uh, overseed some grass seed in the area to try to encourage it uh, and then you know really just try to prepare your lawn for the next uh, you know, this for this summer and this uh, next coming drought. Just raise the mowing height, make it a little bit more drought tolerant, and uh, and prepare for, uh, you know, maybe uh, another harsh summer or maybe not. But uh, regardless, you know, your lawn can be a little bit more resilient if you uh, do those steps now. Very good. Uh, listener says, I'm planning on reusing my potting soil from last year, but there are lots of small roots in the soil. Are they okay or do I need to get rid of them and, and start over? I I reuse my potting soils and I uh, just go through them. I try to to uh, dump the whole container out, put it on a tarp, or put it in a wheelbarrow, so you get aeration and actually dry out the soil. Many times it's really wet. Try to remove any roots that are large. Sometimes you'll see the small. Um, the, the root shoot junction, the crown of a plant where you planted it, so you want to take that out. If you've had any disease plants, uh, you want to consider um, re- not reusing your soil. But for most plants, if they've been healthy, um, you can just kind of strain, uh, uh, put it through a strainer or a sieve or something, so you take the big chunks of plants out. Sometimes I refresh it with a little bit of new potting soil or a shovel too or full of regular soil. I actually put sometimes regular um, so mineral soil from the garden in my, my pots, but you can definitely reuse it. Okay. Let's grab a phone call. Lynn is calling in from White Bear Lake this morning, I believe. Uh, good morning, Lynn. What is your question? 
Good morning. I have a couple questions. I have a hydrangea. It's called Sun Pink Sunset. And I'm wondering if that's a perennial. Uh, yes, I would guess it is. Uh, most hydrangeas are perennial for us. Uh, occasionally you get one that's a florist hydrangea that uh, really isn't. But I, I, there are actually hundreds. I, I'm hesitant to say almost thousands now of different kinds of hydrangea. There's been kind of a breeding frenzy with uh, commercial breeders, and so we have so many different kinds. So, yes, I would assume it's a perennial. Now, some hydrangeas are a little slow to come up in the spring. Some of mine are just starting to grow. So I would give it uh, I'd give it another couple slow to come up in the spring. Some of mine are just starting to grow. So I would give it, uh, I'd give it another couple of weeks and then you can see where it's green and growing. And um, yes, it should be fine. John, a, okay. a listener wants and to know the difference between, I can kind of relate to this one too, uh, the difference between crabgrass and quackgrass. So I, uh, Crabgrass is is a summer annual grassy weed. It germinates, uh, sets seed in the sp- or germinates in the spring, grows and develops throughout the summer, and then dies in the fall. Quackgrass is a uh, creeping perennial um, that is uh, uh, that basically uh, you know is is a problematic weed. You know can go pretty much anywhere, and and really both of them can be fairly problematic. But one is an annual, one is a perennial. Uh, the quackgrass is much more difficult to control than the, the crabgrass. Uh, crabgrass is really just uh, ensuring a dense, healthy turf, and uh, and you'll just gradually thin out the crabgrass over time by uh, just making an area less likely to have it. If you have quackgrass, it's it's particularly pretty tough to get rid of. Hmm. I I have I put in a whole bunch of new sod in the backyard last year. It's doing really well, but I noticed. That and I'm glad this listener brought that up. That these are uh, these blades of what I think are grass, some kind of grass, are lighter green, but they're not. You know, they have it's probably about the you know six eight inches in diameter. They're popping up. Uh, those lighter leaves is that quack or crabgrass? That's quack grass, isn't it? Well, both of them do have a little bit lighter leaf uh, color, but um, okay. lighter green. But I would yeah. say if you're seeing them grow significantly taller than the normal mowing height, uh, and it grows faster, it's probably quack grass. Yeah, I was afraid of that. <laughs> okay, well we'll <laughs> have to deal with that. Yeah, with such a problem, right? We'll take care of that, and we'll take care of some business here, and take a quick break, and be right back. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, and we have many on the tech screen, we'll come back for those. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Right now in the Twin Cities, fifty three degrees. We're heading to seventy three, and as I mentioned, overnight lows tonight and tomorrow around fifty two. But the rest of the week, our overnight lows will be in the sixties. You stay with us here. Fifty three degrees on News Talk eight three zero WCCO. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour welcoming your lawn or garden questions at 651-461-9226, either by phone or by text. And we have a bunch of both Mary Meyer and John Trappy from the University of Minnesota helping you out with your lawn or garden questions today. 
And, uh, oh, my, we've got uh, tons of folks. Let's uh, let's grab some phone calls before we get back to the text messages. Larry is first up here from West St. Paul, I believe. Thanks, Larry. What is your question? Good morning. I have two honeysuckles that last year I think had black spot and just about defoliated them. They're both coming back this year. They're greening up. Is there anything I should be aware of or should be doing? I don't think so. Uh, there, There's a wide variety of honeysuckles. Some of them are more invasive than others. But um, I would wait and see if you have the same problem show up again. Uh, and then if you do, I would take pictures of it and send it into the Ask a Master Gardener line, which is the uh, resource at the Extension Service for answering specific problems. You could also look up online at the extension.umn.edu website and see if you can match up any pictures that are there of your honeysuckle. But normally honeysuckle will be okay. Um, it's it's not uh it's usually an easy plant to grow. Oh, good. All right. Larry, thank you. Uh, Joyce, I think, is next. Yeah, Joyce uh, calling in from Hampton, I believe, the, this morning. Thanks for waiting, Joyce. What is your question? Yes, I was wondering. I have potted hyacinth and calla lily plants that are done blooming. Uh, can I plant the bulbs now, or what do I do? You can plant them outside. It's the hyacinth probably will not rebloom. Uh, calla lily might rebloom, but both of those uh, no, just just the calla lily you'll have to bring indoors. That won't survive our winters outside. The hyacinth will, but it's it might not flower again. You might just see the foliage from it. But the calla lily, you can actually keep that as a plant if you want to take the trouble of bringing it in and storing the bulb through the winter. Okay. Uh, this texter, John, said, I did some dormant seeding last fall, and now I wonder if I should find a fertilizer that is food only for the new growth. What do you think? Uh, food only is, uh, I think, if the what the texter is wondering about is whether or not uh, the the fertilizer is going to have a weed and feed component or the uh, weeding component, the herbicide included with it. I would definitely encourage you to uh, to use a fertilizer that does not have the weed component or the herbicide included. Um, you know, just make sure that if if you uh, did uh, seed last fall um, that. Uh, if you are going to use a fertilizer that it does not contain phosphorus uh, because of the Minnesota phosphorus fertilizer law on lawns. Uh, so, But there's a number of different products out there that uh, do not contain the herbicide um, that uh, also do not contain phosphorus. So I would just call up your local lawn and garden center uh, or uh, really any place or go visit them, and, and, uh, and I'm sure you won't, be, won't have any trouble finding a product that would, would help. But definitely recommend some fertilizer, especially after if they've started germinating, just to make sure that encourage them to get established. Very good. Back to the phones we go. Barb is calling in this morning from Plymouth. Barb, good morning. What is your question for our guests? I have two questions. Um, the rabbits attacked my burning bush, um, stripped the bark all the way, should I just cut them back now, or should I wait till to see if the, whatever they didn't attack actually flowers out? 
this has been the worst year <laughs> I ever for rabbit damage. And they really do seem to love the burning bush. It's just amazing the devastation that's been done uh, with rabbits. I've actually heard that the rabbit population now has decreased significantly because of starvation in the winter. And I'm thinking, how can this be when they ate everything <laughs> in sight? Uh, but if, if you haven't seen, uh, if, if you don't see new growth on the uh, branches, you can check and uh, do a little bit of pruning, see if you could find any green tissue in there. Uh, maybe wait one more week, but pretty soon it's you're going to be able to tell what's dead and alive. And um, burning bush can be pruned back to the ground sometimes and still come back. If it was a healthy plant, it could come back again from the base. So I wait maybe one more week, and then if you don't see green, yeah, you have to prune everything off and um, decide if you need to start over with a new plant. Okay, before and we have, have a, a look lawn, at that forecast, I have a let's... a lawn uh, question. Oh, go ahead. I have a lawn question. My lawn question is um, my south side facing the street, which is a green, healthy lawn. Um, it is very bumpy. And when I texted in last week, somebody told me it's probably because of earthworms. How do I deal with that? Because it's difficult to walk on and it's difficult to cut. I have a walk behind lawnmower. Yeah, that's uh, if it is that bumpy and it's that difficult to walk on, it, it could very well be earthworms. But generally, those um, are don't cause such a such an issue. Um, but regardless, what I would consider doing is uh, is potentially either if you don't have a roller yourself or if you do have a uh, you could potentially contract a company that has a roller that's just basically a, a heavy drum that they fill with water to come out and smooth if it's if it's that uh, uneven and it's that uncomfortable to even walk on uh, another alternative is that you could potentially top dress with some soil if it's you know if it's very kind of uh, localized if it's a very small area you could just go out and lightly spread a layer of soil over time to try to smooth out that area uh, because the grass will just continue to, to grow up through it. But generally the earthworms are kind of a good thing and we don't, we don't necessarily want to uh, discourage them because they help uh, aerify the soil naturally. So, um, so I would, even if it is the earthworms, I would uh, just try to let them be, but uh, try to, um, you know, help smooth things out after the fact. Okay. I think we have time uh, before the weather to grab uh, another phone call Harold in Roseville has been waiting to ask a question. Harold, thank you. What is your question? Uh, good morning. Uh, I have a question regarding chipmunks and squirrels digging in my pots and planters. Uh, is there anything I can do to discourage them? I think I heard somewhere that you could use a certain kind of mulch. I don't know if it was a coconut shell mulch or what it was. Is there anything I can do to discourage them from digging in my, my pots and planters? Oh, this is a good question, Harold, and I'm sure it's a very frustrating one. It's one I've uh, personally had myself. I, I'm, I think actually there are mulches that actually attract these uh, animals. And I don't know if it's the fragrance, the organic matter or something. Somehow they think this is like a food source for them. And there are different mulches. There are rice hulls. There are coconut uh, mulches. There's lots of different mulches growers are using now in an effort to avoid peat moss, which is um, a controversial uh, horticultural uh, growing media. But 
I, I have not been successful at doing anything other than a physical barrier, which is not going to look so good, but some type of a, um, there are these nets, uh, wire net, netting that you can put over. We see this mostly on fruit trees, so birds don't get in our fruit trees. But unless you put up some type of a barrier so that they cannot get in the pots, uh, I, I don't know what else to tell you to do. And maybe some of our listeners know things that are, uh, mulches that are really good, but it's just, I think that they're looking for food sources and attracted to the, um, the growing media itself. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, that is an issue. Let's do this. Uh, let's take a break for weather. We have about another half hour of the show to go. Lawn and garden questions at 651. Yeah, that is an issue. Let's do this. Uh, let's take a break for weather. We have about another half hour of the show to go. Lawn and garden questions at 651-461-9226. Here on News Talk 830, this is WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. This morning, you have Mary Meyer and John Traffy from the University of Minnesota. We're talking lawns and gardens. Specifically, if you have uh, especially a turf question for John Traffy, this is your day to get that answer. Mary and John, uh, we have uh, so so many text messages. Do you have about three more days to spend here? Uh, let's see. Where do we go from here? Oh, here's one about... Uh, a fertilizer using uh, fish parts, does that make good fertilizer in vegetable gardens? Uh, it probably does. Um, that sounds a little vague on what it is, but yes, uh, the fish emulsion is uh, a fertilizer that you can buy and uh, Yes, that's one of our organic fertilizers. It usually will say on the label what the uh, proportion is of nutrients. But yes, that's that's. I, I I think that's okay. You know, it's always important to read the label because it will tell you, uh, hopefully, what the um, actual nutrients are that's in the fertilizer. But um, I. I think uh, I think should it should be okay. <laughs> I think this listener specifically is a fisher person, and they're talking about, uh, from what I can <laughs> discern from the text, that they're talking about what they don't eat. Can they put that? You know, so we're oh, talking about real actually, fish. Yeah, using their own fertilizer. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's probably okay. Um, of course, that's historically one of the things that the Native Americans did, realizing that you know there there are multiple sources of organic matter sure. that uh, that will help plants. So uh, yeah, the the thing is there. Um, it depends on the age. So it's all of that um, fresh, fresh organic matter needs to be partially decomposed and incorporated into the soil. So you could put that in there, but I would certainly mix it in with the soil. Okay. I am reminded that today, would you please announce the Washington County Master Gardener's Plant Sale and Garden Expo? 
from um, 10 to 3 at the Washington County Fairgrounds. Boy, do they have a nice day for that. This And, and also, it's Dakota County, Hennepin County, Ramsey Counties. So there's plant sales near you. So, yes, if you want to just Google uh, plant sales, Master Gardeners, Minnesota, I think you'll see a lot of opportunity today. Yes. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more, then I have a bunch of uh, turf questions. How do I keep my hanging plants from shriveling up and dying by August? Well, I, it's it's probably water because uh, anything that's in a container needs water daily once we get to the hot summer. And if it's really in full sun conditions and a small container, it might be twice a day that you have to water it. So I, watering can be the limiting factor, and you just have to, uh, yeah, really pay attention to that. This listener wants to know your opinion on using corrugated plastic tubes placed on newly planted trees for protection and to accelerate vertical growth. Uh, also, could you comment on the best herbicide to use on the uh, little violet flowering lawn weed, not creeping, Charlie, that is Trimec resistant? Your program on Saturday mornings is excellent. Uh, well, I'll do the first one. Okay, I'll do ahead. the first one. John can do the Trimec one. Uh, so protection for trees, especially uh, fruit trees uh, from rabbits, etc., is really helpful. So yes, I do protection on fruit trees, and I do it for um, bark frost cracks and and bark cracking on thin bark trees like maples. But once they get older, especially the maples, they don't need it. But young trees, yes, you just want to put that on. So it's a it's mostly protection for uh, for animals. And as a tree grows, you have to be careful and take it off. Okay. And related to the uh, the violet flowers, uh, coincidentally, is, is a wild violet uh, plant. Uh, so originally an ornamental that was brought here um, and uh, or that's been naturalized. Uh, that is a uh, particularly difficult to control weed, but just like you had mentioned, it's not Creeping Charlie, but the same product that we recommend for controlling Creeping Charlie also works very well uh, and is the recommended product for wild violets, and that's triclopyr, uh is the active ingredient in that. So it's not the, not the brand name or the label name. It's, it's the active ingredient that is, uh, ac- you know, that's actually working against the wild violet, T-R-I-C-L-O-P-Y-R. Triclopyr is the active ingredient. Should work pretty well. Very good. Uh, Next question, text question. What steps are next after treating grubs in my lawn? Should I overseed? Yeah, so uh, grubs, uh, if if you have already treated for grubs, typically we recommend doing that uh, a little bit later in the summer. Uh, If if the caller is referring to uh, putting down a, a grub preventer, uh, for example, typically we prefer to do that a little bit later in the summer, in, in uh, late June, early July. Um, but uh, as far as the uh, the upcoming steps to do is really just uh, try to, uh, you know, just encourage a, a healthy lawn. So um, in terms of, uh, you know, mowing it some, you know, as it's needed, uh, trying to raise the mowing height, like I had mentioned earlier, um, is a is a great step to do. Uh, but otherwise, it's really just, uh, you know, allowing the lawn just to grow and enjoy the weather like we are. Okay. 
This uh, listener says this, I planted a region serviceberry shrub last spring, put wire fencing around it for the winter. Can I take the fencing down now or leave it up until the shrub is larger and more established? The shrub is densely foliated and around two by two feet right now. Thank you. Yes, a wonderful plant, the Regents uh, serviceberry, uh, great for wildlife. Bunnies love this. So the the protection really is from the rat for the rabbits. And depend if you have no rabbits, you probably can take off the uh the barrier there, but um I actually did the same thing. I got three regents and they look beautiful, but I'm going to leave my barrier up because I have so many rabbits around. So they they need to get really well established and be able to take some browsing with the rabbits. Next text uh, for John. I believe the voles did a lot of damage to my lawn over the winter. I raked up the loose dead grass a couple of weeks ago, but no new grass has come up. What should I do? Uh, you know, at this point, if if you still have the the trails or the the burrows tunnels from the voles uh, still present, I would at this point. And you've already removed the the above ground uh, dead leaf litter. I w- at this point, I would consider fertilizing if it's that. Uh, much of an issue. I know this year was particularly bad for the voles. Um, You know, I think just, you know, undergoing just a normal uh, spring fertilizer uh, application, and and we have some recommendations on the extension.umn.edu site on how to fertilize your lawn and when to do it uh, and how much to fertilize. Uh, But I would just consider uh, fertilizing to allow the lawn to try to grow out of it. Otherwise, just try to uh, um, be a little bit patient uh, you know, the lawn typically should be able to recover and grow out of the, that vole damage. Here's one we get uh, quite often, and I'm sure you do too. How can I get mushrooms out of my lawn where a tree was cut down? Yeah, so the, the mushrooms themselves oftentimes are uh, a symptom of what we call fairy ring. Uh, so it's just a basidiomycete. Typically, there's no damage. There can be in like off course type settings or really sandy soil. Sometimes it'll be a little bit hydrophobic and it might dry out a little faster than the rest of the lawn. But generally the the white mushrooms are really harmless. Uh, You can go and just step them down if you want or just knock them over as you're mowing. Uh, But really there's there's really nothing you can do about it. Um, So uh, unfortunately you know there's not really any chemical or cultural practices that can really be done. Uh, It's it's a soil-borne fungi. Okay. Uh, this uh, listener says, I planted a new maple tree last July and covered the bottom with wood mulch. This spring, I changed the mulch from wood to rubber mulch. When I took the wood mulch up, there was a lot of small slash fine roots that I may have disturbed. Do you think that I damaged the tree? Hopefully not. Uh, but yes, it, the trees really have the majority of their roots in the top Oh, even 18 inches. Uh, And young trees do rely heavily on the new root systems and smaller uh, roots that you'll see. So, But hopefully not. Uh, I would still pay attention to watering this plant uh, because of the drought conditions that we had. Um, We still could see plants die this year from the drought conditions from last year. Yeah, so we tend to forget this. So I would pay attention to uh, watering the plant and you know you don't need yeah so we tend to forget this so I would pay attention to uh, watering the plant and 
you know, you don't need that much mulch on top of um, the roots. It is, it's, it's better to have a mulch than have your, your lawnmower go up there and hit the, the trunk of the tree. So a mulch around the trunk so you don't get near it with a mower is a good idea. But, you know, one to two inches is enough. And then once you have that down, yeah, just leave it alone. Okay. Let's take a quick break and be right back with the remaining minutes of our Smart Garden Show, 651-461-9226. Mary Meyer and John Trappy from the U of M helping you out uh, this morning here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Just a reminder, coming along next hour, Andy Lindis will be with us. We'll be talking home improvement. We'll be taking any kind of questions related to home improvement next hour here on CCO. In the meantime, if you just joined us, Mary Meyer and John Trappy from the U of M are answering those questions today. And you know what we haven't mentioned, what I did not bring up, I love to do it because I love to be there, is uh, the Arboretum. This has to be one... Well, it's any time really of the year, I'd love to go there. But this has got to be a great time. It's a fabulous time. The tulips are magnificent this year with many, many different kinds of tulips. I, I just would say that if anybody goes there to see the tulips, I guarantee you'll find a tulip you didn't see before because they're just a huge diversity of tulips. Is That's what the collection is this year and very bright and colorful. And the crab apples are out, and the lilacs are out, and the red buds are just finishing, and there's so many things to see. So it's a yes, yeah, fabulous time to go to the arboretum. You still do need to make a reservation, but I looked this morning; there are plenty of plenty of open slots for making a reservation at the arboretum. So great spot to visit. Yeah, do it online, and you will be so glad. You will be making repeat trips, and you might even mm-hmm. want to join. Uh, the Arboretum, become a member. Easy right. to do. Um, and by the way, another thing we, I know Mary mentioned it earlier today, is is great reading, great resource, is the University of Minnesota Extension website. That's uh, extension.umn.edu. Check it out when you have a chance. And uh, I think you'll you'll really enjoy it. I was using it myself this past week for some, uh, some ideas. Uh, in the meantime, let's see how many folks we can help out here before we run out of time. This uh, this text says our city newsletter considers euonymus invasive. Is that right? Well, there are many different kinds of euonymus, and what's invasive is a plant that will self seed uh, or come up like buckthorn does. We all know how much of a problem buckthorn is, and many times we are just learning what plants will become invasive. So if your city is saying it's a problem, that's because it's been documented and there's places where they're having to remove it where it wasn't planted. So I'd be very careful about what you want to you have in your yard and then watching if you have any uh, kind of wild areas in your by to make sure that it's not coming and growing in those areas. Here's a text that I wonder if you or John ever heard of this before. Lawn question. My neighbor spread sugar on his lawn as a fertilizer and it looked healthy and green. I'm afraid it could attract ants. What are your thoughts about using sugar as a fertilizer? Sugar is actually, uh, there's a 
it's been used in traditional row crop agriculture as a starter fertilizer for really mm. for decades. Mm. Um, so as molasses is what is often used. And, and uh, you know, I, there is actually some benefit that, that's out there for that. But in terms of a lawn, it's most sugar is broken down or mineralized by soil uh, microbes within a few hours. So the benefit is really marginal. Uh, but if you were to... Uh, you know, there could be some very marginal benefit if it was like a new establishment, but not necessarily like table sugar. It would have to be a little bit more of a complex sugar substrate like molasses. But even then, it's it's a little bit messy. And, and like you said, it might end up attracting other things that you don't sure. necessarily want there. Interesting. This listener has a large area of dead grass. They were able to Pull it up in big chunks, kind of like dead sod. Do you think this was caused by grubs? Uh, it could very well be uh, from grubs. Uh, the May-June beetle is uh, the grubs are actively feeding right now uh, up near the surface. Well, really, a lot of different white grubs are. If you pull back that sod that seems to just kind of pull up in really big chunks or rolls of pieces, uh, you should be able to find them or you'll see uh, paw prints from things like raccoons, possums, skunks uh, that were digging. And that's oftentimes that's what's rolling those back. So you should be able to see if you see more than like six white grubs or so per, uh, per square foot, that's when I would consider uh, treating that area um, to, in order to try to remove that, that stress on the lawn. Okay. Mary, this listener says the bark has been stripped off the largest branches of my lilacs. Do they need removal, do you think? Oh, it's hard to say. I would just wait and see how they grow. Uh, if the bark is totally gone all the way around a branch, then, yeah, usually that means that the branch is going to be dead. Partially, if it's only one side, it might still live. Uh, lilacs are amazing that you can rejuvenate them if the plants are healthy um, around the grass collection where I work at the Arboretum, we have an old lilac hedge, and every few, well, maybe 10 or 15 years, they do what's called uh, renovation or rejuvenation pruning and prune it down to the ground. And it is healthy and in full sun and in good conditions, and so that's always come back. So if your plant is really healthy, uh, you can take off, uh, cut it back to the ground, and lilacs can rejuvenate if they're healthy plants. This other listener wants to know what's the best time to relocate rhubarb plants. Well, rhubarb is really, usually it's quite tough. Uh, I would actually think about moving in in early spring just as it's starting to grow. And then you'll have to wait a couple of years till it gets itself reestablished. But it's it, you know, when you say the southern listener wants to know, um, you know, rhubarb doesn't grow well in hot conditions. So it's one, it, rhubarb and lilacs, these, <laughs> these are the things we could grow well in Minnesota. So you can't really grow it well in hot conditions, but maybe the person has lived in the South. He's now here. And uh, I would say if you have sunny conditions, uh, you can move it uh, this time of year. But I'm about ready to pick my rhubarb to, to make uh, some pie. Oh, I'll be over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I think we, we only have two minutes, actually less than two minutes now, uh, John and Mary. Uh, let's t see if we can't uh, pick up on this one. If uh, We mentioned it earlier. If one has quackgrass, how do we get rid of it? 
Unfortunately, quackgrass can only be controlled uh, with a non-selective herbicide like glyphosate. So if you're not uh, keen on trying to kill out everything in that area and trying to replant it, and that's a several months long process because the quackgrass has underground creeping rhizomes uh, that can just take a long time for that herbicide to work through them and sometimes multiple applications. If you can't wait for that, you don't want to wait for that, sometimes it's really just a to can't beat them, join them type of situation and just accept that it's going to be there. And as far as uh, pre-emergence, is this the time? Are we past it or what's the deal with that? A couple of people want to know. Great question. Uh, We're a little bit past the the crabgrass pre-emergence or summer annual pre-emergence. So uh, at this point, I would uh, not... Uh, I would just plan on not applying any, or if you do, there's uh, some that have pre- and post-activity, like uh, dithiopyr is the, is the active ingredient, but those have kind of marginal benef- marginal activity. I would just focus on good cultural practices going into the summer and then hit it uh, next right. uh, next fall and having a healthy lawn then. Excellent. We're out of time. Mary and John, always a pleasure. Let's do this again. Thank you. You guys have a good week. Enjoy the beautiful weather. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thanks so much. Mary Meyer and John Trappi from the University of Minnesota. Now, get those home improvement questions ready. But before we do, check out the University of Minnesota website, extension.umn.edu, and uh, get to the Arboretum. You're going to love it. Home improvement next hour on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Stay with us. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.